Our great Father in heaven, we cannot thank you enough for bringing us here tonight. We cannot thank you enough for your word, for your son, and for your grace. And as we would look to the future, as we would look to your son's coming, we pray that our lives would be lived according to thy will, according to the ways that you want us to live, so that we could live a life without regret, without disappointment, without pain, without hurt. This is our prayer, Heavenly Father. And we ask this through our Savior's name, our risen and living Jesus. Amen. The audience tonight is fairly young. And it's great. I was in your shoes about 18 years ago. And when you're young, you have your whole life ahead of you. I know the largest group is between 16 to 17. And so I'm thinking about high school, graduating high school, looking for a job, maybe going to school. Your mind can play endlessly on the scenarios of where you're going to be in five years, 10 years, maybe even 20 years. But what does the future hold? I don't know that. 18 years ago, I know for sure, I would have never told you I'd be standing here talking to you tonight. And maybe one day, one of you will stand up here 18 years in the future. So we don't know what our future is, but God, he's the only one who knows our future. But one thing I do know, whatever decision you make will impact your future. The decisions that you make today, tomorrow, will impact you either positively or negatively. And so this evening, as we look at these huge decisions, the most major decisions in our life that sometimes we overlook are our relationships. And our relationships first begin with God. For those of you who bought Bibles, our text this evening is found in Proverbs chapter 3. When I was asked to do the teen sermon, it was July 2nd. And I opened up my Bibles to Proverbs chapter 2. And I read through the chapter, and I didn't find anything where God was leading me. And God said, keep going. And so I opened up to chapter 3. And we're only going to read four verses and look at those tonight. In the first one, Trust in the Lord God with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. It sounds so cliche. Just trust in God and don't worry about your own understanding. It's something that we're, we've been told for all our lives. Our parents probably have pounded into us. Just trust in God. But why do I need to trust in God? What's the point? This sounds good, Adrian, but, but for what reason? Why do I need to trust in God for anything? For the decisions that I need to make? Why do I need a relationship with God for this, to make these decisions? So we'll start off with how do you make decisions? Some of you could be in your late teens, early 20s. 
how do we go about making decisions? Maybe you've gone through some life experiences. Maybe people have given you some good advice. But your life experiences are nothing. How many of you have lost a career? How many of you lost your family members dying around you? How many of you have lost your home? How many of you have fought with cancer? How many of you have died? None of you. You're all living here, thankfully, to listen to this message. You don't really have anything in your life. You've gone to sleep, you wake up, you go through your normal routine, but you really don't have any experience in your life to make decisions. Sure, you might go on the computer, look at some Google reviews, maybe I'll read a book, maybe I'll ask someone, my buddy who's you know, a couple years older than me, and then you'll trial and error, and that's how you're going to live your life. That's how I thought I was going to live my life. I'll just make mistakes and I'll learn from them. But I'll tell you what, that's nothing you would ever want to bank one. Your worst enemy would never bank on a trial and error type of lifestyle. Because the people who want to do this trial and error, they take their life into their own hands. And sadly, many of them end their life. Because it's just so huge. Decisions are all around me. I don't know what's ahead of me. I don't know what to do. And God says, trust in me. God wants us to put our trust in him because who is he? He created you in me. He knows all the hairs on your head. He knows your deepest desires. He only wants the best for you. And so God says, trust in me. Trust in God who holds tomorrow. Trust in him who always cares. He loves you. And the scripture says that you want to know God, to know his will. And that's why God says you can't lean on your own understanding because you have nothing. I had nothing when I was 18. I'm 35 years old. I still don't know anything. You could talk to someone who's 1,000 years old. Look at the Old Testament. They might have scratched the surface. But God knows it all. And he wants you to trust him to make these decisions. And by making these decisions, you won't have any regrets because you know God made the decisions for you. You know when you wake up in the morning, whatever I'm going through, whatever pain or hurt, God brought me through this for a reason. It wasn't because of my own agenda. And this is the groundwork, the foundation, that our relationship with God. This is where it has to start. Some of you might not know God in the next year, the next five years. And that really hurt me because I still want to teach you to take something away from tonight's sermon. That you're going to look back one day and say, you know what, Adrian was so right. The word of God was so true. And I don't want you to end up like some people I know or some people that you know. And so we continue and it says, In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So we have a relationship with God. That's the place to start. But as we continue on, God says, okay, I want all of your heart, and in every single thing that you do, I want to be there. I want to be the one calling the shots. He wants to be your financial planner, your spiritual planner, your emotional planner. He has all these services for free if you just asked him. 
and if you listen to him and obey him. But what happens? Over time, you might be a Christian, maybe you might not. Maybe you're going by the trial and error type of lifestyle. Maybe you have some regrets already in your life, some things that you know are going to hurt you for the rest of your life. Or maybe you're a Christian and God's led you into some things. But God says, I want you to acknowledge me in all your ways. Not just sometimes, not just here and there, not just when it's maybe a really hard decision, but in every single thing. And so the next transition I want to go to is our relationships with our friends. As many of you start to go with your careers, with schooling, you meet a lot of people. I mean, think about when you start driving, how large your city seems. You forget how to even drive to church because it's just like, this is all so new and foreign to me. You meet people at work. You meet friends on the street, friends of other friends. And these friends will influence you. They'll help you make decisions for you. And I heard in this morning, as we were talking about thorns in the flesh, in our class we learned that people can be a thorn in your flesh. The friends that you have can hurt you. They will either make or break you. You can think about your friends here now. And just because some might be Christians or some might go to church, or that doesn't make you immune to what's out there. Because the devil, he's really conniving. See, friends are a great time. I love friends. Um, for those of you who know me, I'm the only boy and I have three sisters. Nothing against sisters, but guys like guys, okay? Especially when you're growing up. And I wanted friends. I loved having friends. But there was one friend that I have, and we grew up with each other. And in about, it was our senior year of high school where I decided to get a job. And he came from a broken home, but when we grew up, you would have never known. Like, we did everything together. And I decided to get a job our senior year, and he wanted to be popular. He wanted to be with the in crowd at school. That was something him and I both wanted for years, but it was just time for me to grow up, and he didn't. By the end of that year, I remember he stole a car, and he wanted me to pick him up. And I still remember asking my dad to drive us to pick him up. And he's wiping the steering wheel clean of his fingerprints. And I'm thinking, what is he doing? Like, this is my friend. Like, what, is he, what decisions is he making? What, where is he going in life? And we started to part ways. As close as him and I were, I realized that his morals, his lifestyle, he got into drinking, he got into drugs, he got thrown into prison. And this was my boy. Like, we did everything together. I would have never thought this would have happened. But his friends started changing. His friends were ones that didn't care about him. And now it falls back on us. What are our friends there for? God has a purpose for friends. They're there to support you, to hold you accountable, to draw you closer to God, to uplift you in prayer, to strengthen you. These are real friends. If you don't have these kind of friends, you need help. You need to pray to God to help you find new ones. Because your friends are going to drag you down. My same friend, he gets in a gang. How are you going to get out of a gang? 
Now you have people trying to kill you because you want out. It may be some of you aren't privy to this type of lifestyle in Detroit. This is common territory for me. Um, I once said it in my Sunday school class, and they were like, you guys have gangs? What are those? It was, it was interesting. Um, nothing against Canadians. Um, but this was real life. Like, you're on the run. You don't know what to do. I was just talking with someone recently who people came out at him with golf clubs. They lit his apartment on fire because he chose to leave the lifestyle that he was a part of. This is what friends did to him. He didn't look through godly eyes and a godly focus. And it's sad that the only time my best friend ever calls me is if he needs money. That's it. What a friend. But I'm thankful to God that he provided friends. And he provided friends with a vision. And so I ask you, when you look at your friends, what is their vision? Is their vision to grab the new purse at the mall, to look hot when I come to camp, to work out for 25 hours a day so chicks think I look good? Is that's what my life is about? Because if those are the kind of friends that you have and that's their vision, get away. Leave. The Bible talks about this again in Proverbs. Proverbs 29:18, Where there is no vision, the people perish. You see it all around you. People have nothing to look forward to. They have no purpose in life. And my friend, don't get trapped with those friends. Because when we read further in our text, it says, Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and depart from evil. These friends are going to take you down a path, like I mentioned, that you don't want to go down. And they're going to take you down a path that one day you might not be able to get out of. I've heard all too many stories of people who could not give their life to God because they had such a stronghold of their friends. And so I pray that you don't even go down that path, that you make godly decisions so that you won't have regret one day in the future. The last relationship that came to mind as we talk about friends is relationships with the opposite sex. Something that we interact with on a daily basis. When we're at camp, it's a blessing to have guys and girls from all over the globe who want to serve God. And so we have friendships that we form. We get to know one another. But there's a problem. Like we talked about, Satan wants to ruin a good thing. Just like he wants to ruin you and your friends, he wants to ruin anything with the opposite sex. And so he's going to want to try and twist and dement your mind any way possible to have you do your own agenda. See, I see too many people, I hear about it too often, maybe even some of you standing here. I've counseled people, yeah, this Christian guy keeps texting me and she's not a Christian. What is he doing texting you? And maybe even vice versa. And I thought to myself, this is the devil at work. This is what he wants to do, is mess you up for life. Because we, we think we're Christians, and hey God, <laughs> I got this. I, I don't need your help on the relationship. I know exactly what I want in a girl. I know exactly how she has to look. Girls the same. I know what kind of job this guy needs to have. I know what kind of car he needs to drive. And we push God aside because... I don't need to acknowledge him in all my ways, do I? I just need to maybe in some big things. Maybe just when I get baptized. 
And I didn't want to bring it up, but we have to. Because we talked about your decisions impacting you in the future. One day, 90% of you, maybe 95% will be married. And I'm not here to talk about marriage. Thank goodness. Um, my wife will do that. Um, but people nowadays, Christians nowadays, everyone nowadays wants to do it by their own self. They know what they want. God, I don't need you. I don't need you to direct my paths. I don't need you to look into my heart. I want to do what I want to do. So how does a marriage start? It starts when a guy or a girl wants to get to know each other. They push everything aside, and now you start looking through your own lens. They have to be A, B, C, or D. Is that what God wants? Probably not. And yet people will walk through that door anyways. And now you have people who are 35, 40, 50 years old with kids and they have jacked up marriages because they didn't look to God. They wanted to do it themselves. You have people who just, marriage is this fun little cool thing. These, you know, these girls that I talk to are guys, it's just a flirtation, a fling. Well, then it becomes one long date. That's all the marriage is. It's just a fun time. I'm not alone anymore. That's not what marriage is. That's not what your relationships with the opposite sex are. Your friendships are to glorify God. Your marriage, one day, if God blesses you with that, is to glorify God. No other reason. The term we use is synergy. When you can't do one thing by yourself as good as you can, there's something else, and with that coupled together makes it even better. That's why you get married. It's to serve God. That's the mentality is who does God need me to serve him with? Who can help me serve him better? It's not what they're wearing or how they look. And in our own churches, we're not immune to it. Just because they go to our own church doesn't mean that, well, it's God's will. He wants me to marry this person. And then you get married and you're sitting counseling with elders endlessly because I'm living with regret. I have to live with these consequences. I have to live with this guilt, with all this doubt, and Satan is taking this thorn in our side and driving it deeper and deeper and hammering it, and we can't get away. And it's all because of decisions you and I make. And they're either the decisions we make with God or without. And unfortunately, there are people who do deal with this, who've made poor choices who have to live the rest of their lives like this, who have these thorns in the flesh, and Apostle Paul's clear when he writes his letter to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and maybe you heard that verse today. But Jesus still provides grace if you put your trust in him. But God's saying this isn't how it has to be. There have been people before who've had great marriages, who've had great friendships, who've had amazing relationships with God. And it's because that's where it starts. And they put their trust in him. In the last verse, it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Basically, if we follow this simple formula, it'll be strength to your bones and it'll be health to your flesh. Have you ever dealt with something that you can't even sleep? You wake up in the morning regretting something you might have done the night before. It lasts with you forever. Think about your relationship with people, your friends, 
maybe even opposite sex. They're your brothers and sisters in Christ. How are you going to greet someone who you know you've done something stupid with? How do you know one day you get married and you're going to still want to call them your brother or sister? I mean, in heaven, things don't just poof, disappear, and we're all happy living together, shaking hands. That's not how it works. Heaven starts here. It starts today. If you don't know God today, you're not going to know him in heaven. If you don't love God with all your heart and obey him with all your ways and don't let him direct your paths, it's not going to change in heaven. It starts today. And so it's my prayer that as we look at these verses, that you would desire to live a life without regrets. That when Jesus comes, you would say, Lord, you took me by the hand. You led me all this way, and I have no regrets. I'm ready to go home. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Don't be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy flesh, and marrow to thy bones." I pray that when you leave here tonight, that this week is a week like none other. I pray that when you go home next week, and when you live the rest of your life, that you'll remember two words, no regret. And when you wake up every morning and you pray to God, that you're going to ask him, God, I want to live without regret. I don't want to look back 18 years from now and say, what did I do with my life? Why didn't I just listen to you, God? You want to look back and say, I would do it all over again. Any time, any place, no regrets. Amen.